Hello, everybody. This is Mark Thurman with .IoT on behalf of Amazon Web Services and the AWS IoT team. Uh, we're really pleased to present Scott Allen from FreeWave, and he and I and, and a number of others will be participating in a very interesting uh, event in New York in a few weeks. And what we wanted to do is uh, cover a few topics today and introduce FreeWave and introduce Scott and talk about IoT. So Scott, hi, thanks for joining me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. We talked previous uh, to this call being set up about our backgrounds and about different styles of connectivity. So before I get to that, because I'm very interested in how things connect, let's just talk a little bit about who you are and who FreeWave is. Sure. So. Um, uh, we'll, we'll start talking about FreeWave. FreeWave is a, um, a, uh, an uh, industrial Internet of Things-based company, and what we basically have done for the past 24 years is we've built out um, radio-based in infrastructure for industry. So if you think of remote, rugged types of environments where oil and gas is taken out of the ground, water, wastewater facilities, uh, you know, things of that nature where, it's, where, you, where you've, you've got very limited connectivity, limited power, limited uh, vir virtually everything when it comes to uh, electronics or communication, um, we build radio networks that transmit information from sensors back to um, either uh, human or to some sort of SCADA system, supervisory control and data acquisition is what that means. Um, and so we build those, those radio infrastructures uh, in, in those environments. We also um, are, are very uh, adept at building unmanned or radio communications and command and control for unmanned systems. Uh, we have uh, a, 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 a large number of radios deployed in military and defense and in commercial or industrial unmanned systems uh, across the world. So. You know, we're very familiar with uh, the, the Internet of Things on an industrial from an industrial perspective, and that's what we do. As far as myself goes, I've, I've been in the industry for you know decades, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. and uh, and you know I've worked at, and and my background is in network performance, application performance, and security forensics, and um, and uh, and now with uh, with now radio communication networks and uh, Internet of Things. I'm here at FreeWave. I've been here for about three and a half years, and uh, it's been a very enjoyable trip so far. And where's FreeWave headquartered? Ah, we're we're headquartered in Boulder, Colorado, and uh, uh, like I say, this is our 25th year in business. So we've been around wow. for quite a while. Yeah, it's, and I think it's kind of interesting. Um, first of all, you knew what SCADA meant. Um, you know what M to M means. Um, you know the IoT M to M SCADA world has been around for decades. I note for people, in, certainly in the conversation that we'll be hosting in New York uh, and subsequently in, in San Francisco, the term Internet of Things actually emanated from the MIT Media Lab in 1999. So we've been talking about uh, these kinds of things, connecting things to networks, putting sensors on them, and uh, managing and controlling them for, as you said, decades. Uh, and again, the term you know, is not a new term either. And it appears to me, at least, that um, everybody's unified the various offerings from SCADA M2M and, uh, and other things around this IoT and also IIoT, you know, Industrial Internet of Things term. But what's, what's, what's your favorite uh, way of uh, referring to what it is, what product category we're all in? 
So I, I would say that we're firmly in that industrial Internet of Things category, um, but we, but you know, that, that's 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 kind of where we fit, and we fit for a long, long time. Um, oftentimes, we do machine-to-machine communication. In other words, you know, a sensor to another device, or uh, you know, to some sort of robotic device, etc. But we also do machine-to-human interface as well. So you know, so um, you know, we're right in that 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 spot where. Uh, a sense, you know, any, anything that's coming off of a sensor uh, can be transmitted by our radio networks to some sort of console or some sort of command center where action can take place, um, or um, or information can be evaluated uh, for for future action. So, uh, you know, that's we we really do fit right in that in that environment. We don't generally, uh, you know, uh, it, it, we, we rarely do human-to-human kind of uh, network communication, although, you know, some of our technology does, you know, support, you know, voice over IP, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a general use of our, our of our systems. No, that, that sounds fair. I mean, generally when I, when I hear, you know, in the, in the IoT world, when I hear people doing stuff uh, involving, you know, uh, uh, interfacing into a, a human being, it's typically industrial applications like man down, or yeah. you know, uh, a, per, a person as an asset that you want to track. And again, you know, if they fall off a, a light pole uh, that they're climbing, that's that you know, you want to be able to do that. I'm not sure if that's some of the yeah, that's interesting. You guys that's, do. Yeah, that's interesting. You bring that up because that is an actually actually an emerging category. Um, that we that we are participating in, um, you know, uh, there the, you know people are wearing man down sensors or mm-hmm. um, or you know uh, wearing a, a pack, if you will, uh, that that identifies where they're at on a well pad, for example, and and, and watches their vitals and and uh, and certainly when something happens that you know our technology can be used to communicate that information. Number one, number two, we do a lot of of uh, soldier training. Um, you know, we, you know, there are thousands and thousands of soldiers that, that put on a, a – basically it's a vest that has a radio in it, and they go through these training exercises, and that radio is our radio, and it monitors where they go through this whole training exercise, if you will. Um, and then when they're done, they can sit down with their sergeant or whoever, and that sergeant with a 3D application can help that soldier understand where they went, what they did, where they made a mistake, what they did right, et cetera. Um, you know, that, we do that for, you know, you know, for the U.S. military all over the place. That's one of our larger kind of human interface kind of technologies that we use all the time. Yeah, no, I think, it, I think it's great. And I know in, in more of the industrial or commercial verticals, you know, the notion of tracking uh, a sole or a lone worker, not only from a security standpoint, like where is the person, but again, you know, if you have a accelerometer or other sensors, you know, did the guy fall, fall down a mine shaft? Uh, is there uh, exposure to uh, radiation or, or, or uh, a gas leak or some other thing that you want to be able to detect and get the person out of there? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, we, yeah that's, that is an emerging category for sure. And um, so it sounds like, and again, you know, I looked through the website. I've picked out, you've got oil and gas as a vertical, defense, smart ag, energy, smart grid, security surveillance. What are some other verticals you guys uh, uh, serve or work in? Well, we do also environmental management or monitoring too. So, you know, we have a, a, a great number of, 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 of radios and, and product that are deployed around the world 
to do things like volcano monitoring, which is kind of a big thing these days, right? With, it's with in all the, the news. Volcanoes. Very it's timely. News, right? <laughs> so, you know, so we, <laughs> we, we do a lot of environmental monitoring where you've got, you know, where you've got, you've got you know, really in difficult environments where you can't lay a cable and you have very limited power. Um, and but you still need to communicate information that's coming out of a volcano or maybe out of, you know, from our earthquake fault. We do a lot of earthquake monitoring, mudslide monitoring, um, you know, uh, tsunami type monitoring. Um, you know that that's a that that's a that's a hot area right now. I don't mean. <laughs> that no pun, no pun, no pun intended. No pun intended, but uh, yeah, that's we're, yeah, we do that all over the world. And then also, some of our technology is actually used in the ocean to monitor uh, the ocean environment to see what kind of you know what's going on there, where where you know you know for pollution and for all sorts of different things. Um, and uh, in fact, there's these uh, there's, there's these uh, devices that look like surfboards that. That are that have a big that are covered with a solar panel on the top, and then they have they have sensors that go you know very deep into the ocean, and they just wander around the ocean. And we, we know of one that's been out there for more than a year and a half, um, and that and that information is communicated from you know with our radios. So, so that that kind of now begs the next question, which is the the product set that you you guys have and again this is not meant as a promotional no, sure. uh, <laughs> promotional podcast but just so that 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 we can understand the products you guys have are in the sensor world are they in the gateway world are uh, are they in the uh, network building a custom network world or do all of the above it, we have kind of a D all the above. We certainly have gateway type technology, um, and that ties. Not, that's you know, I'm sure we'll get into how we tie into uh, you know Amazon AWS and yes. you know that that gateway or edge server, if you will, is a critical component of how how we do tie into AWS and what we're doing there uh, for uh, you know verticals like oil and gas and and specifically for SCADA type implementations. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully we can get to that discussion at some point. But we okay. also yeah, we also have you know radio. Commu- it's a private radio network. It is uh, you know we have um, uh, frequency hopping, uh, spread spectrum RF radios that cover a wide range of frequencies um, and do you know that, that cover multiple different types of data rates. And then you know we also have some Wi-Fi technology and and we also have a, you know a few sensors that are um, specifically designed to work in explosive type environments that that's called a class 1 div 1 ul device mm-hmm. you know that you can put on top of a oil tank or um, you know in an environment where you, know, you, you 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 can't cause a spark or an explosion or spread an explosion etc so you know we we do have some sensors that work in those environments too pressure temperature setting uh, you know sensors etc that 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 are specifically designed for those purposes so uh, a customer that comes to you says, I've got this problem. I've got uh, an oil well. Uh, and I know there's probably not too many uh, brand-new uh, wells being laid, but let's just say you know, I've, I've just bought a, a patch of land and I've discovered, uh, like the Beverly Hillbillies of the, uh, of the <laughs> 60s, I've discovered that, that there's, there's land under here. I mean, there's oil under here, um, and I want to engage you. What am I buying from you? So first of all, you'll probably buy um, the the basic radio communications um, that would allow me to take sensor information, transmit it from my well pad, if you will, mm-hmm. to 
my console, be it a SCADA console or an Amazon cloud-type console, etc., um, that, that, that information has to get from the sensors to the cloud or back to my console somehow. So there's, there's probably, if you were just doing a single event and it's, you're, you're on a farm out in you know, South Dakota and your well pad is five miles away from your house, you'd put, that, you'd put one radio at the well pad, you'd put one radio at your house, and that sensor information would be transmitted very easily and very rapidly from the well pad to your house. Um, and from there, you'd, you, you could have your SCADA console that would monitor, you know, the pressure, the temperature, the volumes, any up, down, uptime, downtime mm-hmm. spills, et cetera. Or you could very likely even plug it into your, 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 your router that goes to the Internet and, you know, have it be AWS ready so that you're now doing that monitoring from the cloud and you can access it from anywhere in the world. And we have that deployed in, in very small instances, and we have it deployed in very large instances. Um, we've got one network that is uh, approaching 30,000 radios in one single um, well, you know, oil environment in wow. Bakersfield. So, you know, we, yeah, that's what you do. So, you, would, you know, you basically would put that kind of private network together, and then at some point you would connect it either to a server, uh, a data center, or to the cloud. Makes sense, which now begs the next question. So let's talk about connecting the things. And as we talked previously, I have a telco background and yeah. uh, I'm very accustomed to talking about use cases where things are connected over a 3G, it used to be 2G, but 3G, 4G networks. And there's a, a bunch of new protocols coming out, coming out around NB-IoT, narrowband IoT, uh, CAD-M, CAD-M1, uh, LoRaWAN, Sigfox, RPMA, there's a whole bunch of stuff coming out. So let's talk about connecting the things uh, the FreeWave way. Sure. So you guys use what? RF, right? Yeah, we use RF, and, and um, you know, we, we support, you know, we, we talk about these, all these new protocols to, you know, that are coming out, but at the same time, um, in these oil and gas and in water, wastewater, and in these industrial environments, uh, the the primary protocol that is used is this thing called Modbus. I don't, I don't, are you familiar with Modbus? I, I am, yes. Yeah. Well, so why, for for the three other people that are listening, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about that. Yeah. So what is so that? Mod, Modbus is is a protocol that was developed, you know, I think in the 70s or something like that when SCADA first came about, um, and basically it was a way to serially transmit. Uh, you know, sensor information. Um, it's, okay. it's designed for serial networks, very slow networks. And, you know, back in the day, it basically transmitted, you know, one set of data, one bit of data a day. Um, and it would be pushed over a serial network at 96 baud. Um, you know, so, yeah. So, you know, so it was, very, it was designed for trickling information from one point to another. Um, and many of the devices that are in these well pads, uh, the you know the you know the the uh, uh, PLCs, programmable logic controllers, um, the RTUs, uh, etc., use Modbus and still use Modbus as their primary protocol for transmitting information. Same with the sensors. So you've got this massive infrastructure that. Um, is out there uh, you know, across these industrial environments that are using Modbus, and then they collide when you want to increase the number of data points or the number of poles, or you want to integrate it into something like Amazon AWS. Um, you know, there, there's a collision of old versus new. 
um, and how do you make that transition happen? So, you know, one of the things that that, that we uh, we support here at FreeWave is is we we understand what Modbus is. We've been doing it for a long, long time, and we also understand Ethernet standard Ethernet packets and right. um, Ethernet protocols. And so, you know, we can translate um, that Modbus into a basic Ethernet frame. Um, on an Ethernet radio, Ethernet-based system that still communicates across that serial network, if you will. That's what we bring to the field. That's unique, I think, is that is that history and that expertise. And then we couple that with um, this kind of application server, if you will. We call it Zoom IQ, and basically that can go on the radio or it can stand by itself on its own appliance. And you can do things like, for example, Modbus to MQTT translation. Um, and that then could hook us directly into cloud services like Amazon AWS. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can convert it into multiple types of protocols. So all these new protocols would be handled at that Zoom IQ level, at the gateway level or application server level. Um, and that makes all these serial, these all legacy serial devices come alive for the new age. How, just and, and again, a lot of folks are, are maybe new to the IoT world. Um, again, using the use case of my single oil pad out in the back in my back forty, um, how much data? Just you know, how big are the, the the data packets, if you will? Is this gigabytes per month? Is this uh, you know? You mentioned that you know there's a tiny little bit that might come over on the Modbus, you know, uh, but just roughly, you know, uh, what 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 size are we dealing with? Because I think you know, kind of yeah. current or contemporary. Developers are very used to, you know, endless streams of data and huge data packets, and, you know, they don't really care. It's just, you know, uh, but I know in the IoT or the M2M or the SCADA world, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, tease a specific reply out of you, but, you know, I know that the, the data sets are kind of small sometimes. Oh, absolutely. They're very small. In fact, in fact, if you look at that small oil pad that you're the well pad that you just talked about, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about um, if you want to collect information from the, you know normally um, you know back in the day you'd get one set of data a day in other words they just asked for one hey is the is the well pumping or is it not yes or no yeah. so it's a 50 byte packet essentially that 50 that bytes, moves yeah. across yeah so it's, it's a very it, small it's, it, am, am i okay or not yeah yeah am i alive am i not right uh, am i okay am i not then they started adding things like well what's your temperature what pressure what's the pressure you know what what is the condition of the pump um, what is you know what you know how full is my how full is the tank do I need to go and empty it is there a time is it time for a truck roll um, you started to add other little bits of information that could be important that could you know that could help you know make make sure that the the well pad is functional but even even still those are still small bits of data compared to what you have you know in today's I guess enterprise infrastructure that people are really familiar with so uh, on that single well pad. You know, with a you know, with a with a device with a radio device like I just outlined, you know, you could store probably fairly easily a year's worth of data on that gateway or that application server itself. If it's just the one well pad, you could probably store a year, maybe more worth of data that you could you know you could mine and go back and look at history, et cetera, et cetera, um, depending upon how many times you pull it and how many changes occur. Because that's another thing that um, that these this technology is, is becoming more adept at, and that is only transmitting what is changing. Right. So in the old Delta. days of in the old days of SCADA, when SCADA would pull, it would pull for everything all the time. But the technology is getting smarter now to where 
you know, only the change data is reported up, you know, downstream. The, the, if it's static data, then it doesn't, it doesn't get communicated over these networks that are very constrained from a bandwidth perspective. So, yeah, you I, could, look, I, it makes sense. I mean, and that's, again, sort of, uh, I think you mentioned Greengrass, or you might be mentioning Greengrass, yeah. but, um, you know, so that's kind of one of the applications is the, the you know, the, the thing just wakes up when it has to. Other than that, it's intermittently connected. Yeah, that's exactly right. We and when we purposely, you know, we this not not just Freeway, but technologies like Freeway build purpose, you know, purposely build sleepy devices that only come on when they need to come on and transmit when they need to. Because, uh, you know, like I said, in in these types of environments, power is extremely limited. Um, so a lot of times they're running on solar and batteries, and you know, we we design these things so that batteries last ten years. Um, you know, and, and mm -hmm. so, but the the actual amount of that you know that's coming out of a single sensor is not a, a huge amount of data. So in that single instance, you could store a lot of stuff. Uh, you could store your entire life on, on the cloud for you know that you know, <laughs> without taking up too much storage. Now, when you propagate that out across multiple well pads, um, and you introduce new things like, for example, fracking. And all the data points that, that, that go into, you know, a fracking um, deployment, understanding the seismic activity, what's going on with the ground, your data can expand exponentially because you have thousands of sensors that are monitoring all the time, and that change the, changes the data structure significantly. So there is a big difference between the idea of collecting from a very small that you know the mom and pop I've got to, you know I struck gold or struck oil yep. and here it is and you know I need to make sure that I it's always pumping to you know I've got a network that is you know I'm doing fracking or I've got uh, you know I've got a, a 36 square mile environment that's full of well pads that has all sorts of activities going on it there's there th those data sets can change dramatically. Oh, I can imagine. Now, in terms of uh, you know networks, uh, I know you guys are specialists in both Wi-Fi and um, and as we've been saying, uh, UHF radio. What's your view? Or, or and again, I'm not looking for uh, roadmap uh, pre-announcements, but what's your view of some of the other trends on the market? The NBIOTs, the LoRaWANs, the RPMAs, the you know uh, CAT M1s, all all of the, all the stuff. Because it would it would seem to me that a lot of those technologies might encroach on your uh, market, in a sense. Sure. Yeah. So we we do we we monitor those technologies and and um, you know the, I, again I'm not announcing any roadmaps or anything like that. But where we see trends that that are important to us and our customers, we will certainly adopt them into our technology roadmap, uh, no matter what they are. Right. Um, and if you know, we're 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 in the business of building those private networks and. And what we see right now, when it comes to things like the LP WANs, LoRa, etc., they're they're being deployed at the very edge of some of these, some you know more. I wouldn't even say industrial, more kind of municipality grid systems. Uh, you know where 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 you're still doing a trickle of data over a over a kind of a medium distance, and it's not a lot of data. Um, and it's really non-critical type of data. Uh, so, for example, pulling the meter from your, you know, pulling information from your gas meter at your house or your electric meter at your house, um, et cetera. 
those are those are where that's where we're seeing a lot of that technology be deployed. When it comes to oil and gas, um, which is what they consider critical infrastructure, um, we're not seeing those technologies being deployed where we are, um, at least not today. Um, what kind of technologies we are seeing at aggregation points are cell-based technology, LTE, 3G, 4G, and 5G will play in that market as well, where you've got, if you've got 100 well pads in an environment, you'll probably have uh, one or two aggregation points that will be some sort of LTE or cell-based technology where that cell-based technology is available. That's, that's the key is in these remote areas, there's not all, you can't always just put you know, a, 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 a cell bridge or an LTE connection in. It doesn't work. Okay, you, you might not have something out in an oil field in Calgary. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. So you know, that, tech, that type of technology is selectively deployed um, where it's available and where it's meaningful. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, uh, you know, the, the, the other, you know, it, and, and I think you'll see it stay that way. Uh, we don't see our, our cu- current customer set um, wanting to have a, a price per well pad that they're paying per month um, when they can deploy a private network like, like our technology and other radio-based technologies mm-hmm. um, where they can deploy that private network, keep it private, and then have aggregation, aggregation points that, that bring that data either to the cloud or to their, to their private data centers. So from, the, from that standpoint, that's a commercial decision. So when, when you would go to them, you would say, oh, look, the, here's the fixed cost. It's going to cost you X to have this network put in, and maybe there's a maintenance cost, but there's not a, you know, X, X pennies, X dollars per month per device. For, for our basic technology, that is correct. Um, that is absolutely correct. Now, when they start to add applications, for example, if they want to deploy um, a SCADA application from, you know, one of many different SCADA vendors. I, I, I don't want to promote one over the other because we support right. many of them. You love all your children. I know. I love all, I love all the kids. Um, but, but many of these SCADA technologies are now um, creating a distributed model well, where they'll put part, they'll have a core SCADA system that will exist, for example, in the Amazon AWS cloud. And then they'll have a small footprint of that that would go on our Zoom IQ radio, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that radio gets deployed in the field, and it manages, they, they call them tags, uh, but it's essentially a, a, a pull of a device for information. And that manages a certain number of tags, and, um, and the, the, that SCADA, that, that those, these SCADA companies are charging a subscription fee for use of their product. So, right. you know, oil and gas companies are familiar with kind of a recurring mo- revenue model in that sense of paying a monthly bill for their SCADA applications. They're, they're not as familiar and as supportive of have, having to pay on a monthly level for their private network or for the actual physical device that's sitting there collecting and transmitting the information, Right. at least to date. So, you know, that, that kind of limits the commercial viability of placing you know, LTE or you know, 3G or 4G or even 5G devices on each single well pad, at least the way we see it today and in the, in, for the foreseeable future from what we see. No, I think it makes sense. It's, uh, you know, it's an OPEX versus a CAPEX model in some ways. Correct. Uh, yeah. and, and it's it's really a mixed model. Yeah. Um, they just soon, you know, write a check to you at the beginning and, you know, kind of go from there. But um, 
so when I look at this, you know, the notion of critical infrastructure, um, the topic of security always comes up. In the case of a private network, uh, I guess the, the question would be, first of all, um, you know, what's your security model? Secondly, um, is it is it security through obscurity? Is it you know it, this is that guy's private network? He's the only one that can that, that can access the feed. So how, how do you handle security? That's a great question. Um, and um, having spent many years at uh, a company called McAfee, I, I understand. Well, it wasn't called McAfee; it was Network Associates at the time. But but I but I I've spent a lot of my career in in you know steep in security and security forensics. So I will tell you that there is no device that is 100% secure. Um, so you do the best that you can, and you make sure that you constantly are upgrading your technology um, to make it as secure as you possibly can. Um, having said that, we do have some strategic advantages when it comes to security, um, and and it might not be as intuitive as you think, but there's this term I used it a little while ago. While ago, it's called frequency hopping spread spectrum radio, right? Um, what that means from a security sense, is we have what they call a hopping pattern. So if you're sitting in a 900 megahertz range, um, our technology will take a packet, if you will, and it, it, we have the ability to move it from one, um, one uh, uh, band to another, and we can do that up to 100 times a second. Wow. So when you're talking about low, low bandwidth and you're talking about low low data rates and small packets, you would have to understand, first of all, what our hopping pattern was. Second thing, we are encryption. We are AES encryption enabled. So you would have to understand the hopping pattern, capture a frame midair with that hopping pattern, and then then decrypt it. (laughs) (laughs) In many cases, I would argue, I think it's arguable that you could say, you could make a case that it's more secure than a wired network. In that regard, now again, I'm not right. saying it can't happen. That it can't. That we, you know, but at, to date, um, I don't have any record of a of our technology uh, being um, uh, thwarted. But um, again, I, 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 you know, I don't. I, 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 that's that's kind of a that's kind of the premise of what this technology can do. Second thing is um, is we also make sure that our products are as hardened as we can. Um, we are doing vulnerability scans on them, making sure that we're that we're uh, we're keeping them as resilient as we can from a security perspective. Yeah, so, look, it, that sounds like actually a very robust model uh, to me. Yeah, um, and and we will continue to do that. So that makes sense. Uh, so the, the single po- point of failure from a security standpoint is maybe not on your network and not on your devices, and you know it. it as long as you're advising the, uh, the, the customer, you know, uh, where the other uh, broken links in the chain might be. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, you know, vigilance and, you know, continuous monitoring. Yeah, and I don't want to overhype the security, but, you know, we have, um, we have several elements um, from a layered security perspective that you'll, you'll see in our technology over the coming, uh, you know, several years. We'll, we will continue, continue to take a layered approach when it comes to security. Um, I, I, I won't go, I won't expand beyond that, but no, um, sense, yeah, we, we will, it, we, we do believe in a layered model um, is, is the best and most, you know, 
what, yeah, the, the best way to secure these, you know, these critical infrastructures. Yeah, I think it makes sense. So we're all being brought together uh, by the Amazon Web Services IoT team. Um, I, what I'd like to do is just understand how you engage with them from a product standpoint, uh, what services you're using, just at a very, very high level. Because I think you know, customers are, are um, making choices between platforms and, and other providers in that area. So how do you, how do you first of all, how do, how do you bring your bits into their system? Okay, I'm glad we got to this point because this is really exciting for us, right? So some of this new technology, some of the new SCADA technologies and the new monitoring technologies are really, really focused on a cloud-based solution. And, you know, from our perspective, none has been easier to work with than Amazon's AWS. So essentially what we do is we use... Um, um, we use our radio gateways or our, our Zoom IQ application servers at the edge of these networks where, like I say, where you have your well pads or where you have your water reclamation facilities or, you know, where, you know, where you've got, um, you know, where you're monitoring whatever you're doing um, in these remote environments. Um, we then translate uh, you know, we use these applications to translate from a Modbus protocol to MQTT, and we connect it directly into the AWS broker services. So we use the broker, the you know, the AWS IoT broker services for um, for messaging and for um, uh, uh, you know, collecting information. We use the 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 DymoDB database uh, for uh, the long-term collection of information, so that it can be aggregated and reported on. Um, and then we also use the web services to publish that um, on multiple mo- mobile devices so that our customers can you know, monitor things from wherever they're at, whether they be large or small. Um, and you know, so we use, you know, it, it's, um, we call ourselves AWS Ready, um, and we will continue to focus on how we integrate with Amazon's AWS Cloud uh, from a strategic perspective because um, it's really easy to connect to. Um, the services are very robust. And uh, to date, our customers are really enjoying it. And we're getting um, a lot of interest right now from new customer segmentations uh, that, that are asking for this ty- these types of services. Um, that are, you know, they're becoming more aware of what cloud services can do for them. And uh, they're starting to deploy their applications in a distributed fashion where they have some sort of a part of it in the cloud on AWS, and then they have an instance of it in the field that is helping them when they're in the field and they don't have connectivity other ways. Does that, I mean, is that that helpful? Is that what you're... Yeah, no, it's very, very helpful. (laughs) So it sounds like you're you're expanding uh, into new verticals as a result. Did I hear that correctly? So I'd say yes, we are in in a way. I mean, but in in other ways, we're expanding our footprint inside the verticals we're already in. For example... Ah. You know, we you know we we traditionally sell into the top 30 oil and gas producers in North America. We sell to all 30 of them. Um, but this this new technology and the link to Amazon's AWS cloud has really opened up the 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 small market, the the the, the oil and gas producer that has 100 well pads um, that needs to be automated. He's been he they they need to automate their systems. They haven't had a means to do that, and they don't want to set up a huge infrastructure. Uh, they can't afford to put a big infrastructure in, but they still need the same, they need the same results. So instead of having their own data center, et cetera, you know, they're excited about using things like the Amazon AWS cloud with our infrastructure. Um, 
and they can get to their data rapidly, and they can see things that they've never seen before. Um, some of these producers, uh, you know, for you know, think about ROIs, which is the big thing, right? I want right. I want a return on my investment. Some of these producers that are smaller in nature have to pay a contractor to drive around in a truck to all the well pads to physically write down the stuff that's on gauges. They, they take it back to the, their office, they put it in a spreadsheet and send it to the producer, and then the producer has to mine all that data manually to determine, oh, is this pump doing well? Is this pump on? Is it off? Is, you know, my, is, is someone stealing my oil, um, et, et cetera? And, and then they have to make, you know, and they're paying about $300 per well pad per month. So if you've got 100 well pads, that's $360,000 a year you're paying for someone to drive around. Wow. Right. So, so that that's actually an interesting metric right there. So three hundred bucks per well pad per month to have a dude walk around or drive yeah. over with a yeah. with a clipboard and write down a few numbers. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then send a spreadsheet to the producer and then the producer has to spend all the time and energy to put that stuff together. Holy cow. Right? So now, if you think about, and this, and, and by the way, that this, this, it really, this really does happen. And there, they, you know, to to our estimation, there are approximately twenty thousand of these small producers in North America alone. Wow. Right, and wow. there's there there are some of them that have chose to go automated, and there's a there's a, a big piece of them that haven't. They're they're still doing this manual thing. So. If you take, let's just say, $150,000 and you deploy a, a technology like FreeWave into these 100 well pads and you connect it to the Amazon AWS cloud, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to pay some for the cloud. You're going to pay some for your SCADA service. And then you're gonna, but immediately, you're going to be putting money in your pocket. The ROI so is, is immediate. Yeah, year one, you, you've, already, yeah. uh, <laughs> you've already made some money on the deal. That's exactly right. So the ROI is wow. tremendous in that environment. And so it's not, you know, most of the larger oil and gas producers have some sort of SCADA or monitoring system, um, and they're looking to improve them and to, ma- and to streamline them. Um, but, the, you know, the smaller market, um, or I guess I shouldn't say smaller market, the market of smaller producers um, is, is significant. And you could take that same scenario, move it to things like rural water, wastewater, mm-hmm. um, electrical co-ops, you know that are you know these co-ops that, that you know that are out in you know in rural environments um, that are that 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 produce and sell electricity to these rural environments. They're almost exactly the same. Yeah, I mean that's what that, I've always seen this in the MTM IoT world where the solution can be replicated in adjacent verticals that's, or yeah. you know uh, you, you, different swim lanes, but it's still the same pool. Yeah, it's a cookie cutter approach, and and exactly. you know, with with the with with what Amazon has done for the, with their cloud services and what we're doing to connect to that very really easily, you know, I think that's a solution. Well, I don't think it is a solution that is readily available and and can be turned on quickly, and you can get value at it really fast. That's that's the beauty of kind you know kind of that 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 uh, you know that that combination. No, I, I look that, that that makes perfect sense to me. So I think you know, with the the time left, I wanted to uh, just kind of get a feel from you on you know what what what's the future bring for IoT and FreeWave's role in that. Just you know, get a, a sense of that, and then we'll 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 wrap up and 
um, I'll just ask you to you know, encourage people to get information from your website or whatever it is uh, you would encourage people to do. But what do you think the future uh, in the IoT world uh, looks like maybe in the next three to five years? I think that um, I think that this somebody just walked by my by my office with a new baby. So that's the future of IoT <laughs> right there. The future of IoT right there. So uh, so that, that's surprising. So um, the future of IoT really is about um, taking intelligence to the next level and putting intelligence where it makes the most sense. Um, and and that is really two places. It's distributed out at the edge of these networks. So they can work autonomously. They can provide immediate information. And I'll give you an example of something that we see coming up, too. Um, and then tying that information back to a cloud service where you can um, you know, message people, you can, you can broker information, you can get big data and create meaningful predictive analytics. Um, and I'll give you two, two examples of this, right? Sure. Um, we will be deploying a, a, a remote video surveillance system in Eastern Europe for a government that wants to do border control. Um, the, the area that they want to deploy in is very remote. It's very rugged. There's no way you can lay power cables or network cables or anything like that out there. So they're taking some of our newer technology, you know, the Zoom IQ application server along with the Zoom Link 900 megahertz radio, and they're deploying it with solar panels and batteries. And, and they're, and they're, and they're um, also deploying um, uh, sleepy cameras that will come on when motion is detected. Right. And 900 megahertz is not traditionally something that you can transmit video over. But with our new technology, we can get you know, higher data rates and with this technology from a company called McHugh, uh, applications, it's, a, it's basically a video codec, and they've done some re really unique compression. We can actually transmit live video across a 900 megahertz frequency-hopping spread-spectrum radio with no power. It's basically solar, battery-driven. It goes out in this remote area, and then it comes back to their you know, video management system where they can evaluate it. The next stage you'll probably see them do is put facial recognition on that thing. So that's one area that you'll see really increase. And you can think about that not just for you know, an Eastern European company that's doing border control. But you can think about that in our own backyard, um, that, kind of, that type of technology. Um, you know that that that's really that's that's one area that we see things um, you know will 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 move to, um, and then um, and then back to kind of a more traditional approach, um, putting making more active command and control decisions in industrial environments. You have this thing called you know, they, they, you know where where this intelligence sitting out in the sensor network of a well pad or multiple well pads can make better decisions on when to turn things on, when to turn things off, when to uh, send a message for maintenance, or you know, when something is likely to break down. Is this pump 85%? Is, there, is, is this pump going to break down in a month, or is it going to break down in a year based on its current information? Um, I think you're going to see those things really flush out um, in the near-term future, and that takes that, that again. That takes that that um, distributed um, and centralized approach where you've got um, intelligence that's happening out in the middle of these networks, and then you've got that core cloud system that is collecting that information, helping do the predictive analytics, and helping aggregate information so people can make you know decisions at both levels. 
That makes perfect sense. I mean, that's the trend I certainly I'm seeing, you know, predictive prescriptive maintenance as a, an application in multiple verticals. I, I believe the AWS folks just rolled out um, some new offerings in that in that arena. Um, so I think, you know, I think you're, you're on trend. I happen to agree with, with your, your predictions. It's really, it, it comes back to solving a problem or specific problems, offsetting cost, uh, finding a better way to do things, maybe create new business models. And all of the things we've talked about in the last, you know, whatever it is, 40 minutes or so, <laughs> um, have really been how do, how do you leverage your radio technology and your offering uh, to help customers do things better and more efficiently, uh, have I have I left anything out? No, I think I think that's it. Just uh, you know, to do a truck roll in any of these industrial environments costs anywhere from five hundred to three thousand dollars. So every truck roll that I can re- I can eliminate, and truck roll meanings somebody gets in a truck and goes out to try to fix something, monitor something, um, change something, do whatever. Uh, you know that any time I can re- any any truck roll I can reduce is money in my pocket. Oh, I think it makes perfect sense. <laughs> so if people are interested in getting a hold of you or getting information, how would they do that? Sure, you can come to uh, freewave.com um, anytime. We have you can see what we're doing. There's a you you can fill out the contact us form, um, and we'll we'll provide you with information on everything we're doing with uh, Amazon's AWS cloud and and uh, and what our technology does and how it works. Excellent. Scott, I really appreciate your time today. I think uh, the folks that are listening will benefit by hearing a solid set of industrial use cases incorporating very interesting uh, networking technology that's uh, secure from the get-go, as they say. Um, I know uh, you and I and and several others will be uh, on panels and in a discussion uh, with the uh, Amazon IoT team at, a, at an event in, in New York in June, I think it's June 18th um, or June 19th. June 19th, uh, I think. Yeah. June 19th, thank you. Um, and folks interested in coming to that can uh, contact me or contact uh, you or contact their AWS representative. But and we can we'll post information. But Scott, I really appreciate your time. I, I appreciate your explanation. Uh, I like what you're doing, and um, To the listeners, thanks again for for joining us. It's my pleasure. Uh, Thank you.